0: Welcome to this week's very special mailbag QA episode of The Last Refuge. I'm your friendly neighborhood dungeon master, DM Jazzy Hands, also known as Eugenio. And with me, I have.
1: Lydia, Karin, Taryn,
0: Alex, and Robert. Woo! Yeah, you've got the. <laughs> I love it so much. So a couple of weeks ago, we wrapped up season seven with an in-character Q&A. The players got to have their characters ask questions of the creature that they met. Uh, And then we did a little little Q&A afterwards among ourselves. And now it's your turn. This week, we're taking your questions. We've spent two weeks compiling your queries. And we are finally ready to spill the beans, the tea, the answers. (laughs) What secrets will your questions reveal? Wait, no. This whole episode's questions. We don't need any more. Hey. <laughs> Hello. Oh my
2: gosh. I'm uncomfortable with this. No three I, questions. Do
0: I need to go back? Do I need no, to go back?
3: Yes, yeah, so you need to. Yeah, I
0: think so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, shit! I didn't write them. Uh, what secrets will your questions reveal? Who will have the silliest answer? And why are they still asking
4: about the well? Let's find out, <laughs> hey, y'all.
3: <laughs> Hello. Hey, better. Hey, no, I, I knew the well was going
4: to come up sometime today. Me. i glad mean, <laughs> it came up right at the top of the episode. Honestly, so, this I I just see, a I QA. See. Go ahead.
2: I was going to say, this is just a QA about the well. Uh, Robert, I think, is the only person that I've ever stopped talking to. <laughs> <laughs> i think that's accurate, that's accurate. i just started Very talking true. and immediately i was like please don't kill, me. Please don't kill me.
4: Please listeners, me listeners you didn't see the video but she stopped she went I, I, like ah. eyes wide Trap, open shut. mouth in an o shape she was like oh oh no she <laughs> stopped dead in her tracks fortunately i don't oh, have you power to kill anyone that's so heady
0: i just recommend it
4: <laughs> well, just recommended
0: strongly. Oh, y'all! We are already uh, we've been we've been chatting on this call before we start recording for a while. We are all excited. We are all energetic. We're all a little nervous, uh, and I think you're going to hear all of that uh, mm-hmm. over the next however many minutes that we're asking questions. Should we should we jump in? So okay, so I split up the questions that we got when I did the organizing. I split them up into categories, and I think we should start with the ones that are probably freshest in the listeners' minds and in your minds, which are there were and there weren't as many as I expected to be honest. Um, but there are a few questions about stuff that happened in season seven. So should we start with that, I think? Yes. Sure. I'm seeing not oh thank you. Verbal, yes. Audio medium. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs>
4: for once.
3: <laughs> I don't know if you have a um general way of doing things, but there's two questions at the top of the little thing that you gave us uh-huh. that have that mention biz. And so I was going to say, do you want me to start it off asking one of those questions?
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. I love that.
3: So DM Jazzy Hands, how would this season have been different for you as a DM if Biz didn't drink the glory? How would you have lured the players in? This question comes from Michael.
0: Okay, so I do think that for the most part, any questions that are directed at me can also be directed at Robert. So if you have thoughts as I talk, feel free to pop in. Um, I never planned... I can't remember if I've said this on the air before or not. I I never intended for Bizdira to drink the Glorp. Um, To be honest, I didn't know the Glorp was sitting there for her to drink until she asked about it. Uh, And then it was, and I I sort of realized too late what a mistake that was. But anyway, um, we had several plans to lure you all in. Uh, My favorite that I was... (laughs) I was really excited about, kind of sad we didn't get to do, um, was that there was going to be a, you know that meme where it's the two Spider-Men who are pointing at each other? So I was going to do that. We were going to do that, but with Mirko and Mirko's copy. Oh, um, good. Yeah, it was good, like you were going to run into Mirko's copy, who was going to, you know, tell you some shit. I don't remember what or whether <laughs> it was true, probably. <laughs> uh, and then the real Mirko was going to bust in and be like, that's an imposter. And then well, actually I have no idea what would have happened next because that was sort of y'all's time to take over. Uh, were there any other things that we had planned, Robert? Uh,
5: I think when we initially were talking about it as well, we were planning it for a lot of it to happen over time. A lot of it ended up happening, essentially, in, like, a day's (laughs) visit to the museum.
0: Uh, (laughs) And every single time I updated Robert on what had happened, he was like, oh, uh, I thought that was going to happen in, like... 10 days. Uh, Okay.
2: I feel like this season took a lot. It was a long start. So that's really interesting that you thought it was going to take like this little seeds were going to be planted.
4: It didn't take so long because we were taking a very long time. Well,
0: the interesting thing.
5: Yeah. I think the interesting thing was that you all were doing the like question and answering, gathering yourself. And when we initially talked about it, for some reason, I think we were thinking that you would like explore the town And interact with the locals and like have like a multi-day conversation with people, but uh, instead going straight to the heart of the matter, which was the Arcanium on this island and going to the museum, getting all that backstory. All that happened in what felt like multiple weeks, months, but in-game was a day. It wasn't a day.
3: A day. We it had. was quite the day. But also,
2: how are we supposed to talk to people if they were all speaking in Esperanto? That's what I was thinking. That is fair.
5: Well, they,
0: I, there were a couple of ways that that could have gotten dealt with. But once you all went straight to the Arcadia, I was like, oh, well, let's do the thing. I should also tell you all that we had we had things in town planned for mm-hmm. each of your characters. There was an amphitheater with concerts for Flick. And oh. there was like an MMA arena for busy- It was
4: There was all kinds of stuff. Oh. Oh. Aww. Ret- retcon? Are we cool with retcon?
3: <laughs> can we just restart season 7 and <laughs> Can we do that thing? You yeah. know
4: that you know in like video games when you finished like a main mission and you can mm. go back in the sandboxy type world and like go finish other things, that tasks that you didn't can we do that? Uh-huh. Wait, but Bonus uh, what was there for no.
2: Bria? Is it like a magic dagger shop? Or?
0: <laughs> it, how did you know that's exactly what it was? It was a magic dagger shop where anyone whose name started with B R, yeah, yeah, could have for free. <laughs> um, no, for Just Bria, walk we, out we had...
2: and I've, I've got like chainmail made out of magic daggers.
0: <laughs> they look like feathers. Awesome. There's so many of them. Though for Bria, I think we originally had some sort of like criminal organization and yeah. I was like, I'm not actually sure she'd be interested in that. So I think I came up with like a ropes course type like acrobatic uh demonstration thing for her. Like a try trun- and I would have also sat considered on the side I... and just
2: drew it instead. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I had also I had also considered like a like a, a what is it called? Like a, a wine and paint, but with like beetles and crafts and shit.
2: <laughs> I live That's there now. Fun. That's where I live. I don't know if
0: I ever actually told Robert about that idea.
5: <laughs> I don't think so. It's funny, because Alex, <laughs> um, me, and myself, right. I was like, that sounds fun.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, Bizdira, why don't you... Or Lydia, shit, we're doing real names. Lydia, why don't you give me the other uh, question the that other was directed at me and Robert for this one? yeah that
3: one. So, DM Jesse Hans and Robert, what exactly was Hush oh. giving Bizdira if it wasn't an antidote? This one is also from Michael. Thanks, Michael.
0: So many good season seven questions. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, was, it was glorp. It was more glorp, because if you remember... Uh, they eventually found out that the copies required constant infusions of the glorp yes. to stay intact. Uh, so that's that's what it was. It was dressed up a little. Uh, so if Kit had like really examined it mm-hmm. uh, more closely, it, it would have been tough but possible to notice. But it, it was dressed up to sort of disguise it a little bit.
3: I kind of have a question for Alex and Taryn and Karen on this oh. to follow up on this one. Yeah. Um. I am still a little shocked. And and Karen said this at one point. She's like, we never, never looked into what it was. Like, why? Like, do you think there was a reason that you guys just, like, blindly followed Hush and, like...
2: I know, I know for me that mm-hmm. I, I never trust any character that he gives us. Mm-hmm. And so I literally talked myself out of it. I talked myself. I was like, there's no way. Like, I said, are you hush? And the response was, shh. Yeah. And I was like, this, like, that's not an answer. But mm-hmm. then they like, they knew all of this information. And I just, the whole time I was like, I don't trust this. But like, I never trust it. So maybe at this time I should. So it was enough. Yeah, it's been I, enough years.
0: I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I really, I really have broken you as a person. I apologize yes. for that. Yes. Uh- <laughs>
2: That's what it was for me is I had to, I kept trying to convince myself that I just need to trust the people that huge gives us.
4: No, I I think in that moment, I was just thankful to find um our, a contact because we were, we had yeah. been looking for At first, it was like, we need some sort of, like, person in charge or a governing body or something. And I don't know. And then once we found the contact that we knew was here, I was like, okay, great. Like, you know, perfect. We'll just keep going from here. So I think it was just convenience for me slash flick.
2: (laughs) We were so desperate for someone to speak common. Yeah. yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Honestly, I I had botched enough Esperanto that I was like, "Mm, I don't need to do that anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think for Kit, it was like combination of like relief, like similar to what Alex was just saying, like the oh, thank God, we've got someone who can tell us what is going on here. But I also like do feel like it's in Kit's nature to trust people. And like, mm. Especially when he then, like, had a solution to, like, this problem with Bizdira that, like, had to do with, like, a potion. Like, that would be something that Kit would, like, be drawn to as, like, oh, yeah, that's something I would do, too. Like, we're on the same page. So, right, uh, we'll see how this was affects Kit lie. in the future.
2: Like, it wasn't just, like, there was a lot that went into... The potion and saying, like, how many people they had lost and all, like, it was, there was so Mm -hmm. much extra that was added on top of that that I think it was really easy to believe.
0: Yeah, I will say the the way that the mystery unfolded in this season was really (laughs) tough on you all because... The copies knew everything the originals mm-hmm. knew, mm-hmm. and so there wasn't. It was a lot like doppelgangers. We actually just dealt the season of of Rivals of Waterdeep that I just finished was about doppelgangers in Candlekeep, and it was the same thing there because they can read minds after they've taken a shape. So it's so difficult to identify what's going on, and mm-hmm. I, I do think you all you all did well despite my attempts at the at the contrary.
3: <laughs> all right, oh, yeah. so the
0: last season seven question is from Borf. Which ends in, a, in an exclamation point, so I, I kind of love that. Um, and the, there's two there's two parts. Uh, the first part I will answer, which is, when was Hush taken by the All Glorp? Which is a great name for that creature. Yes. Um, and Hush was taken, I mean, years and years ago. Hush has been an agent of the All Glorp for a long time. Uh, the second part of this question, though, is for you players. Why didn't you all demand the original Hush back, like you did Sniv and Bizdira?
4: Oh, good question. I, I, <laughs> um, I,
1: I mean... I can say, like, what I was thinking, which was, like, we never, we probably never knew the real Hush, so why Mm -hmm. would we demand the original back? And then I don't remember what point in the conversation it was where the all-glorp said, like, oh, it would be unkind to release them, but I think, like, that's part of it. Why would we demand he release someone that might have an adverse reaction to it?
4: That's my answer to that question. I think once we heard (laughs) that... It's a good answer. Yeah, Yeah. that's, once we heard that from the all, honestly, the all-glorp, I think, they just named the creature name that for creature? <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Uh, um, Borf. Yeah, it's a good answer because of the first
0: answer that I just gave, which is that he'd been locked up in that tube for many, many, many years. Would yeah. have been rough to come
3: out. So I mean, and that that's the whole thing for I know for Biz. She just I don't think she ever wants to see Hush again. Um, sure. But <laughs> it's it's also like, you know, we never actually knew the real hush and we don't know how long mm-hmm. he was in there or they were in there and so mm-hmm. it's like well what would be the purpose of having this creature come back to us because they're not going to know anything that's right. going on
5: there was a brief conversation that ohenia and i also had about the like, copies and sentience and essentially mm-hmm. whether or not anyone would treat a copy as if it were real, even if they knew the truth or Mm -hmm. whether or not it's like the the robot dilemma and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Right. right. Yeah. Ethical. Wow. It it didn't end up getting explored too much, but in the back of my mind, I was always wondering like if there was like a, a request for, XYZ person and if they were deceased or whether they're not deceased like how would the copy be treated afterward would it be treated as disposable would it be treated as like important and those are questions that were just in the back of my mind as as all these conversations were happening on the show
2: I think that because they don't have any memories when they are in the tubes that then to me means that the the hush that we knew was more real because they have so many more years um i think that that's probably if we would have been put up with that situation that's probably where i would have gone with it
0: oh that's interesting so it's about how long they've been in there that's really interesting
2: they've lived more of a life Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um even if it may have been a controlled life
0: sure interesting yeah a lot to explore there not today (laughs) uh Maybe maybe later today. Maybe later today. Uh, cool. Well, those are the questions that we received uh, about Season 7. Are there any other brief ones that you... All- I mean, I know we got our chance to talk about Season 7 a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But is there anything else anybody wants to toss in?
4: Are there any more cities on this island? Or is this the only one?
0: This is the only one. Um, the the There were more before. Uh, but the All sort of consolidated things uh, when it took over. Gotcha. Did we
2: ask... What the deal with the plants was?
0: <laughs> um, you didn't. I talked to Karn about this the other day. Uh, there, so it had been I realized that it had been so long since we had started a season exploring a new island because the previous season had been the trial stuff and that was so different from everything but it so it had been so long since we started with exploration that you all forgot that every single season except for season six starts with you all having a random encounter with the wildlife of that island just to sort of set the scene explain (laughs) what sorts of living creatures exist on this island so that's all that was the one thing that i will say is the reason that the that the plant ran away at the end is because the Alglorp has has made an effort. The Alglorp can only control things that have a certain minimum intelligence. So everything less than that it can't control, and so it wants nothing to do with. And so it has taken time to uh, sort of exile everything sentient that it can't control from the city.
2: That was more my question. I think the reason that I was always so hung up on those plants is because it was like there was an invisible wall that they couldn't mm-hmm. go past. Um, And that's what has always kind of stuck with me with them that I kept going back to was that like, oh, there's something here that they that they don't want to go towards or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah.
5: Robert, did you have something else about season seven? Yeah. I had a quick question, uh, I guess, for Lydia, uh, because I I thought it was a very interesting dynamic being a player that was essentially playing a double agent role yeah and like how that fell as you were playing. I particularly love those episodes where you used uh, and I know. Uh, There was a conversation about safe spaces during the episode and how you navigate conflict, but how you use that conflict in like a meta game wise, because your character was currently kind of like trying to manipulate the situation and just how that all felt. Uh, being asked to put, be put in that position.
3: It it was it was really interesting. So when when the whole conflict came up and hush and everything, that that was super super emotional because it's hard. I you know, and I've said it to these guys before. Like I'm the only real non-actor besides you so like for me getting into that like i don't know how to distance myself from the character so my characters Mm -hmm. all have a piece of me in it so it's like if bazir felt betrayed i kind of felt betrayed too in that instance and so when we came down to like all right well you know here are the options going forward eugenio and i spoke separately and he was like so i'm gonna drop some bombs here's what i want to do are you okay with this and the second he said i'm going to copy you i was like fuck yes Absolutely, 100%. And part of the reason behind that was that I told him, I was like, I don't see a way for bizdira to forgive and forget the betrayal. But if she is taken and placed in a copy, I think that is the, her way back in mm-hmm. to the group. But I also had a lot of fun keeping a secret from everybody and having <laughs> that dynamic. I had so much fun with it. And it's funny because like, I... <laughs> I I wanted to text you, Hideo, like, every day, like, oh, my God, what about this? What about this? What about this? And, like, some of the things that I thought about, I would text him about, and he was like, yes, absolutely, we'll do this. And, like, uh, they ended up in the episodes. But I didn't tell him about going up to Terran and asking for the dagger back, but I was like, yes, I'm doing this. Because it, it made sense in my brain to, like, Buzdira's pissed off, and the Alglore probably would like the adventurers to feel a little bit more vulnerable. So that they would mm-hmm. agree to conversation rather than straight up conflict. So I was like, "This makes sense."
0: I, I loved it. You did a great job. You uh, you would text me in between sessions and during sessions, even <laughs> sometimes. Uh, and your ideas were all great. You ran with it, and then and and I. Th- I think you and I hadn't really had a conversation about uh, beyond just stating it yeah. that this was real Bizira's way back in, but I, I think I, I think it's a great I think it's a great arc for her, mm-hmm. and I, I'm really excited both that we had that to play with and also that you were able to find a way for Bizira to to come back to the party that made sense that can not leave that whole conflict behind, but right. like close that chapter. It happened. Yeah. We've all you know taken learned whatever from it and gone yeah. on So you were great. Thanks yeah. for all your duplicity. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> all right. So that we're gonna close. We're gonna close ch- uh, season seven. Are we? We're good there. I'm excited for season eight in mm-hmm. next week, two weeks. I don't know when it's gonna come out. Can't <laughs> wait for y'all to hear it. We're gonna do a little lightning round because we we love this game. We love this campaign. We love to talk about it. But let's we get through some. So I got we love to talk. So I got a bunch. We got a bunch of what is your favorite blank. Questions. So we're going to do a little lightning round of favorite blanks. All right. Uh, so we'll start. Let's see. Some of them are like about the campaign and some of them are just like, actually, we'll start with this one. What this one is also from Borf. What is your favorite D and D monster? Shout him out. <laughs> well, this silence is going to get cut. You all are terrible at lightning rounds.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, this is a tough. Qu- it
0: is a tough question. There's, there's so, so many. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're, look, they're all going to be like this so, too. So d- here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, okay, uh, listeners, there was a long silence that I got rid of as they all stared at me. So I'm going to modify <laughs> the question and say, what is one of your favored D and D monsters? Uh, you don't have to pick a favorite. Just toss out an answer. D and D monster that you like a lot.
3: Does it have to be from this campaign or no, overall? Not at all. I overall. mean, well, we have bad history with Sturgis, but I think that adds to the fun of Sturgis. <laughs>
0: okay. Lydia's is sturges. I love it. Lydia's is sturges.
4: I love mind flayers. Oh,
0: I do love a good mind flayer. They're terrifying. They're gross, and they're powerful. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Alex's illithids.
1: <laughs> in an homage to Zagara, I'm going moss lurker. I also just re-listened.
3: Aww, <laughs> I just
1: re-listened to our first encounter with Zagara, and it was so delightful. What a funny little creature!
0: <laughs> what a funny little creature. All right, we got moss lurkers, illithids, and sturges.
2: I, I don't like any of them. Um, That's fair. In <laughs> In general, I love to fight any type of spellcaster. I just think sure. that that's fun. Um, my first instinct, though, was a mimic. Uh,
0: mm.
5: Solid classic. Classic. Love it. Robert? I don't know if I have a favorite monster per se, but I have a favorite monster like ability, like monsters that charm, like vampires or things Ooh. like that. Because I love players navigating that like, uh, decision-making process of how do you play something that's being mind-controlled and or mm-hmm. charmed in a way that's convincing in role-play. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. What about um, you?
0: Mine, yeah, mine. I think would have to. There is a creature, and this is again, this is only a favored, uh, and this is purely for how creepy it is. But there's a creature in. I think it's in the Tome of beasts from cobalt press that is a basically a giant daddy long legs like sequoia tree tall daddy Ooh, long good. legs no, it's mm. so cool uh the art is so terrifying okay. so that's that's what i'll top top out that's <laughs> what I'll tap, throw out that's the that's, that's so okay this lightning round is going so well um so fast <laughs> Yes. <laughs> we'll go faster. Here we go. Okay, uh now here are some favorites about the about our campaign. What is your fave which has been your favorite season so far? And that question is from Shane. To refresh y'all's memory, season one is the Kobolds and the Trials. Season two is the war with the Orcs. Season three was Sylphson. which we are going to talk about later because there are lots of questions about that season. Um, Season four, we got Bria back. uh, And so season four was the TLR Arcanium with Robert. Uh, season, (laughs) Season five was heading over to the Eastern Island and the whole Fiona thing and the undead. Season six was the trials and season seven was the Southern Island.
2: I am between one and four, um, okay, because I love puzzles. So like, I loved the puzzles during the trial, uh, the trials, and then uh, all the puzzles in the arconium. like that stuff is just like it, it makes my brain super happy. Um, love
5: that. Uh, yeah.
0: Karin, what was your favorite season?
1: Uh, I'm torn between three and four. I mean, Silfson is just so crazy, but also we didn't have Taryn with us, so like that's kind of a, a point against it. But yeah, that that first Arcanium is really fun with all the puzzles
3: and finally seeing all the lore come together. Mm-hmm. Totally. Lydia? Same for different reasons. I mean, Silfson uh-huh. it holds a Huge place in my heart just sure. because the escape is still amazing, and also you know, Taryn wasn't there, so she wasn't there to be mean <laughs> to me the whole time.
0: Um, I love but it,
3: but love you. yeah, also season four, the yeah, that's where
0: you died, that's so. where I
3: died. Yeah, another huge, <laughs> I've had a lot of huge another moments moment. in this yeah. uh campaign, so. all right.
0: And
4: Alex, how about you? I think my favorite season to play was season four, was the Arcanium. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. my favorite season to listen to is probably six with all of the fun guests that yeah. we had. That was really yeah. fun.
3: That was good, too.
2: I do think my favorite episode is the body swap thing, though,
0: this season. <laughs> oh,
5: Wacky Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that-, uh, that was a blast. <laughs>
0: Robert, what's your favorite season?
5: I, l- I love the Arconium. Uh, there were a lot of puzzles and stuff that Honey and I worked pretty diligently on, uh, but I really loved the individual episodes leading up to the trial and the trial itself and the, like, conversations strategy discussions uh like moral implications for some reason morality mm-hmm. in D is very important to me when i'm storytelling <laughs> so uh i loved i loved all of all of that that happened during the trial
2: i think maybe if you were to let us win the trial uh, we might have <laughs> liked it like, a little bit
5: <laughs>
0: Uh, my favorite season, I think also was season four, both to play with you all and also to plan. Robert and I had a lot of fun with that one. Um, but if we're ju- if we're not talking about whole seasons and chunks of episodes, I am still so proud of the work you all did in your character mini mm-hmm. I, I love those so much. Yeah. All right. Next favorite question. This lightning round sucks. What is your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Do you have, we're going to continue on favorite moments in the campaign. Do you have a favorite moment for your character? Before you start- I'm going to change the rules of lightning rounds. Okay. The rules of lightning rounds state that you answer the question and don't explain your answer. Whoa. Favorite character moment, go.
3: <laughs> Favorite character moment, I think it's being doubled.
0: Yeah. Taryn.
3: I'm going to go back to Wacky Wednesday.
0: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, Alex?
4: I think also Wacky Wednesday, which is <laughs> I, wild because I had a major character shift in trumps. the middle of the, our, our series. <laughs> but I think also yeah. Wacky Wednesday. <laughs>
0: Hey, absolutely fair, Karin.
1: I can't think of one particular moment. I'm having a lot of trouble. Um, I don't know. You just said the rules where we can't explain ourselves, but can I explain? Uh-huh. I do feel, and I just started doing my own re-listen to the podcast, and I feel like I, as a human, Karen, have gone through like such a journey playing this game yeah. that I feel like Definitely. I can't choose one moment because like it's it's just all too much, and it all is all like. Informed so many different parts. I can't. I can't pick one particular instance. How about the time when when you started flying? Yeah, she kicked butt in that trial.
2: It's
0: true. The
1: listeners can't
2: see, but I am making a face.
3: (laughs) Robert,
5: do you have a favorite NPC moment? uh, Well, I wasn't going to say an NPC moment, and it's really sure. Go ahead. It's a really dumb moment, but it still makes me laugh. There was uh, there was a puzzle, or there was like a secret panel in the Arcanium when you opened it, and like streamers popped out. (laughs) And it was oh, yeah, completely unimportant, and I still think about that.
2: <laughs> I I also think about that moment often. Uh, I love that moment.
0: My gosh, I you know what? I I still go back to it. I love the moment that you all met. Arx and then met Dranks. Uh, okay there's one question on here for me from DND guru who also asked the favorite uh, character moment uh, so DND guru also asked me what's my favorite story moment that the players never found how long you got <laughs> um, I I think one of them as much as you all found st- uh, all kinds of stuff in the Arcanium, there was still a lot more stuff that you never ran into there were a couple of cool puzzles there was there was a <laughs> If you all had not run screaming from the one always tells the truth and one always lies (laughs) puzzle, there was some fun stuff behind those doors. Uh, But you ran screaming from it, which was also hilarious and entertaining. So (laughs) I I really, I'm very happy with how that turned out, too. Uh, Okay, uh, we'll do a couple more favorites, and then we'll move on to something else. What is? Oh, here's an interesting question. Not limited to TLR. What's your favorite either PC or NPC if you've DM'd that you have gotten to bring to life? And that question uh, is actually a combination of questions from Borf and also from Adam. I mean, I know. Do it, Vistra. I mean, I I was gonna say I know your answer too. <laughs>
3: Uh, Vistra, my half-gnome, half-dwarf, barbarian, berserker barbarian, who An is... An
0: excellent choice. She is awesome. She is pretty awesome. Uh, who else? Alex, you got one?
4: Yeah, Nyvara, who is um, oh, my very high-level uh, half-elf sorceress, and she's just the bee's knees. I admire her she so is much.
0: also a reluctant diplomat. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
4: Yep. Themes. I have a type.
0: Themes. <laughs> Themes. Uh, Taryn? I...
2: I also, with the other two, love my first character that I've played. But I oh. had some, a lot of fun when I accidentally had to play... Esmeralda in Stroud Oh, and in Stroud. I
0: forgot about that.
2: And I hated the character I was playing because she was a healer. I hated her. I didn't <laughs> I hated it so much, but play but, but then did. I had to use Esmeralda sheets and I was like, yes, this
1: is a blast. So yeah. I enjoyed that a lot. Okay.
4: Card, I didn't know you, you played that. that's fun.
1: Because it's boring to say kit, I'll say the other the like the second character I created. Um is a tabaxi rogue named Wint that I created for a one sheet and loved her, or one shot that I created for, yes. And then I loved her so much, I wanted to keep playing
5: her, so.
0: She was great. (laughs) Oh, Wint. Robert, do you have one? It can be a TLR character that you helped me create, or it can be something from another campaign.
5: My favorite recent uh, PC that I've created (laughs) was a kobold named Pow. Uh, who was a paladin and she her mission and her like uh, mantra was changing society's perceptions of monstrous races including kobolds but she also gathered like a gang of like kenku and like other yanti other traditionally monstrous creatures and was trying to like show how they're not inherently evil how they're not lawful or chaotic evil whatever the case may be um, and I had a lot of uh, note to self. don't ever try and do a lightning round again. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of
0: fun with that character. <laughs> yeah. uh, she sounds great. Yeah. um, I think mine i i love I don't build a ton of pcs, and so I, I often if I play them for more than just a single one shot i I tend to get attached, but I think my favorite. PC that I've ever built is a uh, half-elf Hexblade warlock named Xenophia Silveranth. Uh, and she, I have taken her on a bunch of different one-shots with different groups. So she, sort of like Okira, which is Lauren Urban's character uh, from her old show, is a, Xenophia um, is a sort of plane hopper who links together all of the cinematic universes of different podcasts and stream shows and stuff like that. Nice. All right, there are a few other favorite questions, but we should move on to a different category. Okay, so let's dive a little bit more into questions about y'all's characters in that case. The very first question in this section is one of my favorite questions that we've received, and it's from D&D Guru. What are your characters' morning routines?
3: (laughs) I like that one, too.
0: I know I did,
4: too. Anyone can start. Mm, Well, Flick definitely has to wash his face and uh, probably he doesn't pray anymore specifically but he probably has a very uh, he has a meditative process you know Um, he has to uh, clean his flute so that you know there's no gross you know he probably does that the night before and honestly (laughs) (laughs) what do you mean (laughs) what are you talking about and then he what's his beverage of choice he probably goes for like a hot tea Let's say a hot tea. Of course. That steaming hot tea, y'all. Freshly
0: gathered from Mm -hmm. him with his ranger powers. All right. I love that. Okay. That's a good, good chill, meditative, relaxed morning. I feel like let's, let's do something, one that I feel like is probably kind of similar. Uh, Lydia, what's Bizdeera's morning routine?
3: (laughs) Oh, she absolutely gets up and does yoga. Yeah, 100% she spends as much time as and i feel like she'll kind of like because she knows like the spellcasters have to like pray for spells and all that so she'll kind of while they're doing that she'll just get up and just stretch and um as she gets more limber she'll start kind of doing somersaults around just warming herself up
0: (laughs) (laughs) amazing uh and then i uh so we're gonna go from like chill To like less chill. So next let's go to Kit. Kit, what's or Karin, what's Kit's morning routine? Yeah,
1: I think I think her morning routine probably varies depending on where they are. Because if I think that we're like near like a forest or something that's like teeming with life she'll probably go out into the forest and like spend a little time like actually in nature maybe find a bird to have a morning conversation with (laughs) um (laughs) (laughs) otherwise I think it's a little more on the chill side and yeah just sitting and like trying to Commune with the nature around her, perhaps also drinking a cup of hot tea. But that that's probably that's probably it.
0: Taryn, what's Bria's morning routine like?
1: I'm so grateful for this question because <laughs> this has brought out a whole new
2: side of Bria for me. I feel like they have to push her awake
0: every morning. <laughs> Uh-huh. I was going to say, it sounds like the rest of your party is our morning people, and They're I don't know morning, that Brie and is. And I
2: think, no, she wakes up with, her hair is everywhere. She's got, like, cotton mouth. I think the first thing she wants to do is, like, rinse out her mouth. I don't think she's going to partake in any of the tea or anything. I think it takes her just a really, really long time to wake up. Like, she doesn't, yeah. like, get up and sketch. Like, she just, maybe, like, she sees them all praying for spells and practicing for spells, and she will, like, shoot some fire at a wall or something and be like, oh, "That's good enough. Um, and maybe Maybe she sharpens a dagger. I don't know.
0: Amazing. Yes.
5: Yes. (laughs) So grumpy
2: in the morning. So we should note this for the future. (laughs) (laughs) Also, mommy needs more sleep.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. There are a few specific questions for a couple of your characters. So I'm going to, we'll we'll ask, uh, we'll do those next. uh, But I want you to be thinking about, all of you to be thinking about this question while I do those. If your character was a dog breed, which would they be? And this time, the questioner, who was Brandon, thank you for this question, Brandon, also asked why. So you are allowed to explain this time. While you all think of what dog breed you would be, uh, I have a question for Kit. Kit uh, Harmony Bat uh, asks, as a druid, (laughs) I know you're into clean beauty. What's your hair care routine?
1: It's a really good question. Um, we all know since Kit has really out of control curly hair, she clearly must be doing something to take care of it. So clearly, Kit must have some sort of routine that I've definitely thought about before this moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think probably every. This is. So uh, going back, like part of her morning routine is probably getting her hair ready. So I think that. When she can, she tries to um, find some sort of like sparkly, clean water source. And she always like tries to like just rinse her hair and make sure that it, um, yeah, that it's just nice and wet so she can form the curls. You know, she does a lot of like finger curls to make sure that everything is perfect um, and then just lets her hair dry out. It's very natural. Maybe like a little bit of magic every once in a while, but for the most part, Mm -hmm. it's just... Very clean.
0: I feel like, like, prestidigitation would be amazing dry conditioner. Yeah,
1: I think you're probably (laughs) right. (laughs) Do you know what I mean?
0: Like... (laughs) Okay, I love that. Does anyone have a dog breed before I ask another character specific question? Anyone have a dog breed they'd like to share? I
3: think I do, yeah, yeah, do it. a greyhound,
0: okay, they're lanky, they're fast <laughs> great what a what a great answer okay, uh <laughs> before we get another dog breed, hey, flick, do you secret this is from Brandon as well. Do you secretly believe that life was just less stressful as a sheep? <laughs> Oh, 1,000%. Not even a little bit.
2: Oh, great. lots. Such a great question.
0: Great. I love that. Uh, anybody else got a dog breed before we go to the next one?
2: I have one. Do uh, it, Bria. It was my initial instinct. I tried to talk myself out of it, but I think I'm a chihuahua. Um, I like to run in there. I like to attack because I'm so scared. Yep. Um, and then I run away. Um, yep. Also, I say this as the owner of a chihuahua, so don't at me.
4: Um, hmm you yep, made my heart true. so happy just now. Because <laughs> I, I also know. own a chihuahua. <laughs>
0: um, we have another flick-specific question. It is uh, it is less silly than the questions that we have uh, gotten so far. Uh, so this one might take a minute. But this one's from Jessica. And Jessica wants to know, when you chose not to consecrate the temple, did you know at that point that losing your powers as a cleric was a possible consequence?
4: Yes, I did. Um, DM-, DM Jazzy Hands and I discussed this not too far ahead of that was it was the live stream that happened on live stream not even an episode uh-huh. but um yeah we had discussed that that was an option we kind of you know uh it wasn't too long of a conversation it wasn't too in-depth but we kind of said like you have a choice here it's either yes or no and there are going to be consequences for both so yeah
0: There's a follow-up. Jessica also asks, once that happened, what was it that made you decide to multi-class as Ranger Bard?
4: Oh, that's actually a really good question. Um, We went through a lot of possibilities with that as well. Um, At first it was Warlock, (laughs) and then it was something else I can't even remember. But I I chose Bard for, I think, pretty obvious reasons (laughs) (laughs) Um, that I won't even get into it but i think, I think then I think ranger know. ranger uh, for flick specifically i i think t- the original tlr island really um since it was very forest heavy and that i think i that i kind of went that direction if he was going to retrain as something it was going to be something that he just had access to and that the guardians could train him in and so that seemed kind of like the most evident choice if that was the circumstances that he was under. Um, sure. So that's, it kind of came up with this weird bard-ranger combo that I actually have really grown to enjoy. It's fun. Yeah, nice. All right, of those of you left, who's got a dog breed? Flick is uh, probably a Jack Russell, I think. <laughs> oh, sure. Why? Um, He's energetic and um, he's just, he's just kind of flopping around. <laughs> <laughs> What a, what a good answer!
0: Um, <laughs> before we get our last dog breed uh, question for you, Bria, uh, Bria, when this is all said and done, are you going to are you going to open an arts and crafts shop with your beetle shells? <laughs> if so, what is it going to be called?
2: Oh my gosh, I'm so bad at puns. Um, <laughs> it, it makes me angry. So, but I love is...
0: that you knew that it had to be a pun.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I'm so bad at puns. I can't. Okay. It's okay. Anyways, it's a pun. It's I mean, it's, it's a really funny Beatles, pun.
0: Like we'll just go with that. A yeah, pun, but
2: we need a pun. alliteration
0: does a lot of work too.
2: It does. It does. Maybe we can do a pun with alliteration. Um, I don't know. I'm still kind of set on the spa idea that Biz and I have been working on. Oh yeah. Um. So you know, I'm a little bit into that right now. But maybe at the spa, um, the bottom of the pools are made with the beetle shells, and so they're super sparkly. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, great. All right. last dog breed.
1: I think a kit is probably a lab because she's oh. smart and kind and sweet and loyal um but also, you know, will defend the people who she loves, like isn't afraid to get a little bit uh you know snarly if
3: necessary. I also think we need
1: uh
3: your dog breed, eugenia
0: St. Bernard. I went and <laughs> wrote down your. <laughs> <laughs> I went and wrote down because I feel like we should do a TLR in Dog World at some point. I don't know what that looks well, like or why, brings, but this now brings now
2: I know <laughs> new uh, meaning to our puppy piles. Aww, Aww yes, it there does.
0: you go. Awesome. Okay, so we got some sort of general questions uh, about us, or about D&D in general, Uh, so let's hop to some of those, and uh, Robert and I got a question from Borf, uh, asking asking a question that we've sort of already danced, Robert and I have sort of danced around already in some of our answers, but the question was, should the alignment system still be a part of D&D? Does it still have mechanical and lore value, or has it outlived its usefulness, has no good mechanical value, and or is actively harmful? Um, Robert... We've talked about this a little bit. Do you want to start, or do you want me to start on this one?
5: Uh, I could start. I mean, I just, uh, for those who don't know, I I came into D&D with 5th edition, so I'm actually relatively new uh, to the world of D&D, although I got started essentially when it it also got started, being invited into Hanyo's gaming group. Um, So the like strong class-based requirements based on alignment, I never saw, Uh, and 5th edition seems a little bit more freeform with alignment systems, which I actually enjoy. I think the history of alignment that I do understand where certain races, certain creatures are inherently locked into something and therefore that makes them evil or that makes them inherently good is something I've never personally favored or wanted in any of my stories. I just DM'd a descent into Avernus and there was a lot of questions about being in hell but dealing with devils or various other entities that you might conceive of as evil but had their own motivations and you could argue were good in any specific point in time because no one is fixed no one has any inherent morality and the decisions we make shape who we are um i think our world building in the last refuge has also reflected that there's quite a few Mm -hmm. different entities that you guys have run across that you might think have a certain morality, but then for whatever story reasons have other interests and or just not that fixed in terms of what their motivations are.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, that was well said uh, and and pretty complete. Uh, the only thing that I'll say, I, I think for me, um, alignment, set alignment is not useful for... Human for any sort of humanoid creature. I do think that set alignments can be useful for things like angels, celestial creatures, uh, infernal creatures, abyssal creatures, because I do think that at some point, it's nice to have an enemy that you know is bad because their very nature is bad. But that's where I think set alignment stops. And that isn't to say, I should say, that isn't to say that there can't be individual celestials or infernals or abyssals that aren't opposing alignments. But knowing and feeling confident that an angel's good and a devil's bad, uh, I think is actually a useful thing for players. I think it's an anchor that players can use. But anything that is humanoid, anything that is not, you know, the embodiment of an alignment, I think set alignment is is not useful and can be harmful because it suggests that humanoid cultures and societies are monoliths. uh, And we, we know that isn't true and it isn't true in real life. And it's dangerous to have it true in your fantasy games because that's a real easy way to, to have some, you know, light racism. So I think for humanoids and for player characters in particular, more valuable than a fixed alignment system is the concept of alignments that are fluid for you. In this moment I feel like I am being particularly lawful good, uh but you know when I find out the truth about the sheriff, I'm probably going to be a little more neutral about that situation because that's how people work. So that's that's my thoughts on alignment. I don't mean to box out the players. Does anyone have a brief thought to add on to that or shall we move on? I
2: I think the only thing that I would add is anything that's on the player sheets are just a a um a good guidepost, and so yeah. I think that if you're looking at it as something that's fluid, it can be a good guidepost as far as uh, I agree that like it shouldn't be set based on the races and stuff like that. But I think that having the guidepost, especially at the beginning when you're learning who this character is, is it, any of those little things that are on that top of the sheet is just super useful to go back to to help you to make right. some decisions and to start to flesh out who this person is outside of yourself as a player.
0: I love that because, yeah, that's actually a good a good comparison. It is it is as useful and useful in a lot of the same ways as your idea bonds, flaws, and personality traits. They're, they're suggestions to get you kick-started. You can use them in your game as much or as little as you want, uh, but, you know, they are they are suggestions. Cool. All right, I, there's another question in this category that I sort of laughed uh, when I read. This is from uh, our friend Gus, and Gus wants to know who's the luckiest out of the six of us. Not
1: me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't, doesn't somebody have the it's... lucky feet?
1: <laughs> yeah, I do. Oh, so-,
2: <laughs> <Oops, laughs> so the <laughs> answer is,
0: is dear or <laughs> God damn it. <laughs>
2: Unless Karen. it's an Arcana role, then it's definitely biz. Then it's,
0: it's biz <laughs> right, There it is. I love that. I love that. Let's go back to some, I'm not going to say lightning round, but rapid fire questions. Uh, we'll do the best that we can. Uh, so for the players, if you had to choose a different one from what you currently are playing, what subclass would you like for your character barbarian
4: subclass
0: would you like for your character
4: could i choose a cleric domain
0: sure uh, yeah that's fine you could <laughs> alex says it easier cuz he can choose from three classes <laughs> yeah yeah
4: i have three classes <laughs> well yeah the bard colleges are well no i'll go with uh, cleric domains i think i sure. would really like to play i've never played a, a knowledge domain so somebody who's like almost like wizardy type like um like very um like, lives in all the books, like, almost has, like, just stacks and stacks of books, like, in a backpack behind them. Um, sure. That sounds kind of fun to okay. me.
0: Okay. That would be sort of, that would be a very different flick, but I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it. Uh, although, a very different flick, but you could still have worshipped Denier.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's, I think that's why, because uh, I think I that went that. through my mind when I was building uh-huh. flick. Totally. Okay, anybody else got one?
2: I just love magic, and so there wasn't this wasn't even really a choice for me. I guess I would maybe go with assassin. That could I be think, kind of fun.
0: I think you would enjoy assassin. I also think you might like phantom. That's what Kent in my character in Rivals of Waterdeep is, and they they don't well, they don't really have spells, but they have some cool magical abilities that I think you would have fun with. Lydia Carn
1: yeah, I think looking through looking through D and D beyond and now like uh-huh. having a better idea of who Kit is, I think that Circle of the Shepherd sounds like something that would she would be drawn to, so probably yep. that that would be what I
0: would choose. I can't tell you how happy I am that she is not a circle of the shepherd, because <laughs> you do enough summoning already. Thank you very much.
1: <laughs> hey, not really during battle though, so at least there's
0: that's, that You know what, that's true. That's true.
3: So I think there's a couple that I was looking at. I was looking at Way of the Open Hand um, I, I, when that's, I was first. That's looking one at of it. the basic ones, yeah. and
0: I love it. I think Open Hand is a great subclass I, I for was monks.
3: Also, I mean, Drunken Master. I mean, come on. <laughs> Dan
0: played it. Dan guessed it on a stream of mine when I was doing uh, Dragon Heist and played a Drunken Master, and it was so fun. Yeah.
3: So I, I think I those that. those are the two that I think I would have a hard time deciding between.
0: Good choices. I love that. Okay, uh, next sort of a rapid fire question. What is so far? And I think I know the answer to this for at least three of you, and possibly all four. What has been your favorite Moon Magic effect so far?
1: Body swapping. <laughs> yeah.
0: Same for same for Taryn. And potted
3: plant. <sighs> oh, potted plant <laughs> yeah. was
0: good. Was that yours, Lydia?
3: I, it was between the potted plant and the sheep.
0: The sheep was also very good. Anything yeah.
3: that turns us into something we're not—that's
1: that's
0: the collective yeah. answer. Yeah. Now hold yeah. on, hold on though. Anything that turns flick into something,
3: <laughs>
0: because it's, every time, yes. including Wacky Wednesday, it's always it was flick. flick.
2: It yeah. I did love him getting naked. Oh, yeah. that's That a good was one great. Too. Oh, that was
0: very good. That was very good. All right. So since we've been talking about flick, flick, what's your favorite? Moon naked,
3: magic. <laughs> naked. naked.
0: Yep. okay done said with authority and confidence i love it oh this one's an interesting one this one is all- oh sorry the subclass one was from Ad. the subclass question was from adam and the moon magic question was from shane thank you both for those um this one is from gus of all of the tlr societies you've encountered so far which would you as a real person be most willing to live in and I think, Robert, you and I can answer this one, too. But, like, last.
2: Can we vote? I would like to live in the southern island without being a glorp.
0: <laughs> That's just because it's a city. <laughs> yeah.
5: It's a modern city. It's modern right, technology. Fair,
0: <laughs> fair enough. If you couldn't get rid of the all-glorp, do you have a second choice?
2: I think I would live with a Yuanti.
0: Yeah? Okay, cool. I love
2: all those magic items and stuff. I love how all of that <laughs> That's still...
0: their Their entire society is based on that. So, yeah.
3: I kind of feel like orcs... Matriarchal yep, society that, that like to fight? That sounds like me. Yep. Let's do that it.
0: tracks. Yep. For both you and Bazir to be
3: honest. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> okay, who else? I'm really torn between Sylphson because of mm-hmm. obvious reasons, but I almost like the um evolution of the shimmer scale tunnels. I want I like ah. but now that they're kind of exploring, I think I would sure. like to kind of venture have their like home base as the tunnels, but also go out and explore with them even though now we kind of know what's what's up and now i'm actually kind of worried for them <laughs> <laughs> oh. there it is all right and how about you Karn?
1: i'm gonna go with the enclave yeah i just I it's might. what i feel yeah
5: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah robert what would you like to, where would you like to live in our world uh i feel like the one i don't i wouldn't already have prescribed notions about what it would be like is the undead society that fiona and mm-hmm. the lich are now currently like help fostering because even when the um, the last refuge team was there. To, oh, wow, I say the full acronym. Even when everyone was there, there was some interesting discussions about the different types of undead. And I would really like to see. I don't know if I would personally like to live there, but I would like to see how that society develops.
0: That's so funny. I was gonna say the same thing. I was gonna say the eastern, the surface of the eastern island. Uh, just for curiosity's sake, if I was really gonna live, though, uh, I think it would probably be. I think it might be the Enclave also. Yeah, I think I'd be down there with them.
4: Where giant crabs live. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um so we have a couple of questions about expectations uh for this game from from you all uh so we'll start with the sort of smaller one which is from a friend of the podcast artist extraordinaire nat uh who did our character art uh and nat wants to know is there a <laughs> now based on how you all answered my earlier question about D monsters i'm sure i'm gonna get blank stares but is there a classic D monster that you've wondered if you might find somewhere in the last refuge Alternatively, or additionally, is there one that you're scared to run into?
4: Dragons?
0: Yeah, Question mark. Which thing. answer is that? <laughs> is that the answer for the first one or the second one? Both. Both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough.
2: Like we ran into that one yeah. underground dragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You did yeah. see dr- mm-hmm. in here. Oh, that's true. That that's true. Dragon. But that was. Yeah. But like I have been wondering if there's one, right? gonna be like, yeah, a big giant dragon at some point. Same. Okay. All right. So We're everyone was knows there's of dragons. dragons. Robert, write this down. <laughs> add a dragon somewhere
0: quick.
3: <laughs> add a dragon to science. Uh, uh, add quick. Yeah, <laughs> the northern exactly. Island's I mean, full of them.
4: <laughs> the full of them.
0: Also,
3: the whole northern Island. all
0: I told you it was like hell, but really it's dragon hell. It's all reptiles.
3: Can we also not come across a beholder by chance? Because they're creepy.
0: I mean, I make no promises about anything. But I don't think we have one of those plans. <laughs> who knows? Uh, okay, cool. So now a much more general question. What did you expect? This is from Gus. What did you expect from this campaign before we started? I told you all a little bit about it, but really not very much because the point was that you all didn't know at the beginning. So what what were some of y'all's expectations about what might happen?
2: The information that I got from you was that we were kind of going to a foresty island, n- uh, not island, a foresty place, and that We were going to have nothing, so there were – I thought we were getting into something where we were creating – like, I don't know if anybody remembers Spore. Anybody? No? Oh, Oh. yeah. Where you create, like, everything. So I thought we were going to have to get to the point where we were creating something like the Southern Island – From the beginning, which is why I think we all chose to have like bear traps and stuff on us is because that's what we thought. I thought we were going into the wilderness and we were going to have to create a society from that.
0: Do you know what's what's really interesting? And this is just another testament to us sharing a brain. Originally, that's what the campaign was going to (laughs) be. I very quickly realized how fucking boring that would be for listeners. But like originally, that was my idea for the first part of the campaign. Anyone else have really clear expectations? I, I Like I said, I sort of set it up to be mysterious, but...
3: I had zero. I had not a freaking <laughs> clue what was happening. Great. Like, no idea what we were doing. I just kind of knew that it didn't make sense for my character to be a barbarian. That's all I knew. And it made me a little sad, but also like, all right, I'll play a monk. Why not? It's first, yeah. first for everything.
0: Well, for all of you who did not have expectations, I thank you for trusting me and just jumping in headfirst, <laughs> not knowing shit. Yeah. Um, All right. This question was directed at me, but uh, the truth is that it was it it was Robert that created Robert. So, Robert, what was the inspiration for Robert the Construct?
5: (laughs) Uh, I mean, that was pretty early on in the campaign. We had already worked on the Arcanium and I think it was there's a small part of it that's it's me. So I'm yeah. I'm a I'm a pretty chaotic player. In real life, I'm a lawyer, so like I'm very lawful, but as a player in any game, it's I wild. I try and be as chaotic as possible.
4: Say it again for the people in the back. Say it again for the people in the back.
5: <laughs> <laughs> They're just an embodiment of uh, my persona trapped in a museum or not a museum in a temple for a thou or a thousand plus years. So great. Uh, this question was from Michael, by the way, and there is a second
0: part to the question: Is will story consult will story consultant Robert ever get to guess? And the answer is no. And his answer just now is why. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would do uh, that, thanks, I think yes. <laughs> uh, also, to be fair, he did get to guess when we did Adventure Babies.
5: All I remember from that. Particular session though was talking about someone's nuts. Like someone had a can of nuts, and that's all. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> Hold my nuts. Hold that's my goodness, nuts. The important things that we remember. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, we do have we do have one more question from uh, Gus about sort of the game as a whole. Are there any homebrew rulings that have had a huge effect on our game from y'all's perspective?
2: I think in general, just you being willing to say, like us saying, "I want to do this," and you being willing to say, "Okay, let's figure out." How we make that happen, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. rather than just being so stuck in rules. I think that that, in general, gives us a lot of freedom to create and to even ask the question that we know you're going to play along with whatever we go with.
4: I think, I mean, the moon magic, in general, I think, Mm -hmm. has really given the game a lot of flavor, and I know Mm -hmm. that that's, like, because obviously that's, like, the wild shape, or not the wild shape, the wild magic chart, and, like, that's altered, but it's so... uh, that to me is just unexpected and it makes us worried to use magic but we're going to anyway because we have to i don't know it it's exciting. i think it's really fun
0: yeah and i was really excited in the last episode of season 7 that you all finally found out more about those cycles of magic and and chaos magic and and the fact that they're actually ultimately sort of the the reason for a lot of what's been going on for the you know the, the beast coming and all of that i mine would be actually just uh, which is a rule that i use in all of the games that i dm which is to allow crits and crit failures on ability checks uh i think that is such good storytelling fodder for the four of you uh and you all take it and run with it in both directions so so well uh so yeah i i, I think that would be my homebrew home homebrew ruling that changed the game
3: yeah i mean i I agree with alex like the moon magic has added so much to the story to you know make or break different episodes like it's just done so much i love it
0: Hey everybody, your friendly neighborhood dungeon master DM Jazzy Hands here with a few quick and brief mid-show announcements, because this is a long episode, hopefully an entertaining one, but a little bit longer than we normally go for. So let's see how quick we can get through all of this. Here we go. Number one, Black Lives Matter. Number two, stop Asian hate. Number three, check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Last dndlastrefuge, email us at dndlastrefuge@gmail.com at gmail.com, and leave us reviews. Number four, join our awesome patrons like our Heralds of Denier, Shimmy Gangot, Tanya and Sir Mox the Magnificent, our honorary party member Matthew Allen, our Shimmerscale tribe leaders Eugenio, Eliahu of Mert Grove, Lisa Diane Ricado Etheridge, Misty, and Aaron Stevens, and our Shimmerscale council members Nat Rose, Tony A. Ellis, Lucas Hocum, Steffi Bernard, River Daniel, Stephen Mosley, Verpio, Kin, Sam Ellis, Rob Murphy, Kelsey G., Jay Sprigg, Gordon Ross, Tyree Pace, Sam Rodman, Jabari Bunch, Tanya C. Depass, Harmony Bat, and Mando Wookie. Oh, do you remember the beginning of that sentence? Because I don't. Join all of those awesome people at our Patreon at patreon.com slash dndlastrefuge. Number five, check out the game Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms and use our Electrum Chess Code that you can find in our episode notes. Number six, thanks to BattleBards for letting us use your music. You can check out their stuff at BattleBards.com. Number seven, good grief, there are a lot of these. If you buy stuff from the DMs Guild, use the link in our episode notes so that we can get some of that money. Number eight, thanks to D&D Beyond for being awesome. I can't imagine that you haven't yet, but just in case, go check them out at dndbeyond.com. and And finally, number nine, get your TLR merch at bit.com. L Y slash T L R merch store, all lowercase. Woo! Okay, that's it. I hope that you're having as good a time listening to this whole episode as we had recording it. Thank you to everybody who submitted questions. We super appreciate it. We had a great time reminiscing and reviewing and just getting a chance to chat as people about this show, this campaign, this community and everything. And we're so grateful to all of you. We are going to take another week off next week before we start season eight. I know, I'm sorry, but we'll be back at you with season eight, episode one in just two weeks. Until then, enjoy the rest of the episode. And as always, stay safe. Stay healthy, wear a mask over your mouth and your nose, even if you've already been vaccinated. And happy gaming, y'all. Let's talk about this. Okay, so this is the this was, I think, the biggest chunk of questions that we received. I categorized into a category called, things went differently. Uh, <laughs> so all of these questions are either questions for me or you all about what ifs what would have happened if this had gone differently that sort of thing let's start with one for everyone uh it's a, it's a flick moment and i know we all know this is coming but i'm curious to hear what you all think how do you all think the campaign would have changed if flick had consecrated that first temple and remained a cleric and this question is from michael
4: well knowing what we know now yeah i think it would have spurred the emergence of the beast question mark
0: you
3: tell us <laughs>
0: <laughs> well that's i
4: i wanted to see how you all
0: think things would have gone differently
3: death and destruction yeah I, it would have I mean, been much I, shorter i don't know
4: <laughs> my main question would have been like is there any sort of like reward for flick as from his deity that would have been my oh, main yeah. sort of question I mean, now that he's sort or of if like he would fulfilled have shown up yeah
0: that's a fun question i mean Yeah, the the story of the campaign would have been completely different because there would have been anchors for two anchors for Abydus, one for Deneer and and one for the all-glorp, I guess. Uh, Although that one's not sort of consecrated, quote unquote, in the same way that the other ones would have been. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, the story would have been about the beast returning and gods interfering. And how do you four lowly mortals sort of protect the things that need protecting in the face of... Gods, gods, and titans, right?
2: Would our father have loved us finally?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Insofar as that asshole is capable of love for mortals, probably. <laughs>
3: Excellent. I'm glad that you also think he's an asshole. He would I mean, have given look. you like a little knock on the chin and be like, good one, kiddo, and then walked away and you yeah, never Yeah, he would have never again. said, I'm proud of you. We no, would have never heard no, those no. words. You would have
0: been like, that wasn't bad, Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Okay, so other, uh, sort of going from that, uh, I there were a bunch of versions of the question, what is the most shocking thing that your players did to you, DM Jazzy Hems? Uh Those sort of came from Gus and MTV, and yes, that's right, MTV sent oh. us. Uh, Thank you, MTV. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um. And I think the answer has to be deciding to not consecrate the TLR temple. And it wasn't a curveball in the moment. Uh, Flick and I have already talked about that. And, and I knew before we did the season finale live stream that they, that they weren't going to consecrate. But, but that, in my head, it was going to be about you all running around consecrating temples to Denir so he could come to the Last Refuge and deal with the beast. Uh, and it's so... That wasn't what happened.
2: (laughs) I would also add to this list, you really, really didn't think we were going to just start fighting the Lich.
0: Oh, that's another good one. Yeah, I was real afraid for you all in that season. Yeah, we not resting, like going in weeks. half dead. Yeah, I know. I probably ended up making... The, the truth is I made a bigger deal of that than I needed to, but I I just wasn't sure what that fight was going to look like with you all at, like, a third power. So I wanted to be ready for anything. But yeah, that's, that's a good one, too. So there were a bunch of questions about... The consecrating. Uh Jessica asked, if Flick had consecrated, all four nodes would have been active, would that have immediately released the Beast? It wouldn't have been immediate. Uh, but I think by season seven we probably would have had a beast. Uh although <laughs> who's to say with you all? Who's to say? Um yeah, so we got we got a lot of questions uh about that. So another moment that several listeners wanted to ask, uh what would have happened if it had played out differently was Sylphson. Uh so Jessica in particular asked, what are some alternative scenarios for things for how things could have played out in Silfson. Would diplomacy with the Mage Ascendant have been possible? I I mean, I have answers to this. Do you all want me to start answering it, then you can chime in afterwards? Okay, so Robert and I originally planned the Silfson season to be a heist, not a jailbreak. Um, we, Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. Uh, We had planned, we had a whole society built out. I had a map for the whole of the city of Silfson, and sort of which uh, community leaders lived where and what families owned, which magic items, because the entire Yuan Ti society, uh, the hierarchy of it is based on how many and how powerful your magic items are. Uh, so there was all sorts of stuff about you going in and there were people who would have allied with you and help you sneak into the castle to get the, the, it was the whole thing and none of it happened. And it still turned out to be one of our favorite seasons. So that just goes to show you DMS out there. Let it happen. (laughs) Let it happen. Um, I do for what it's worth, uh diplomacy would have been part of that heist in my original uh conception of it, but not with the Mage Ascendant. The Mage Ascendant was far too paranoid about holding on to his power to have ever voluntarily given up the spellbinder. Do you all have any thoughts about that? That sounds really fun. Mm-hmm. Can I do you all remember? I'm just curious, do you all remember how that season went left so quickly? Do you do you remember that episode?
4: Um, I've blocked some of it out of my <laughs> mind. <laughs> but I do know that wasn't it some sort of was it trying to convince them that we were going in and we tr- we tried to like hide magic items or something? And it was, then it was we that got we caught? had
3: the note that they had just seen from um the orc that we murdered—that mm-hmm. you murdered, that murdered in, in the blood <laughs> it was a trend for her that season. Yeah. It was. It was. So it was. A, she was going through some stuff. I mean, look, she got through it. She did.
0: She did. Uh, yes, that's that's what happened. It was a series of lies to the town guards that 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 were unrelenting and and. Uh, <laughs> And refused to be taken back, but forced them to try and arrest you all, which led to a fight against the entire Silfson City Guard.
3: Good times. You know.
0: And the thing is, I will say, like, in retrospect, everything you all did, I mean, it's not like, you know there wasn't some wild, completely nonsensical chaos moment. You all made some uh, decisions that were perhaps less than good, but like they all made sense. Uh, And it's just amazing. I mean, this whole show uh, is a testament and and has been a lesson for me in understanding and really internalizing that every player you have is going to see everything you throw at them completely differently than you do. Um, You know, to me, there have been so many things that are so obvious about how things work in this world. And it's only after you all latch on to completely different ideas about it that I realize, oh, actually this isn't this wasn't so obvious. That does make sense. It was not what we were going for. Uh-huh. But So we we also got another question from friend of the podcast, Nat, uh, who asked a similar thing. Are there any... uh, Has the story taken any major turns to the extent that a plot hook you set up ages ago will just never logically have cause to be explored now? And is it so far gone from the story trajectory that you can tell us about it? I mean, everything in Silfson, all of the backstory of Silfson and and how their society works is that. Uh, I'm perfectly happy to, you know, do anthropological lectures on Silfson because that place burned to the ground. So whoops. Okay, so... (laughs) Now, I these questions were not consciously put in this order. So so don't think that it's a leading question. But the next question from Jessica is players, if you could go back and change one decision that you or the party made during the campaign so far, what would you change?
1: I mean, I would change this last season, I had so many ideas. <laughs> That would have revealed that mystery so much sooner and would have got us out of trouble a lot faster. So I think <laughs> I would I just would have acted on my gut impulse rather than letting the shenanigans take place. But on the other hand, I'm happy the shenanigans took place because it was really sure. enjoyable. But uh, my character, well, let's not
0: pretend, <laughs> let's not pretend that shenanigans wouldn't have taken place. anyway.
3: <laughs> That's yes. true. Other shenanigans would have taken. Place. Right, right. I I feel like I agree with Karin. It's like I I kind of like wish I hadn't have drank the Glorp, but at the same time, like I mean, it created a really interesting storyline. So yeah, yeah chaos. Love it. I think um,
2: I would have had us all prepare for the trial a little bit more.
3: God damn
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> we were so prepared for that trial. I wrote so many <laughs> notes. Yes. That's what I would have done. I would
2: have written no notes. No, <laughs> no notes. no notes.
0: It was so good, though.
2: No, I'm a, I am am loving how the story is unfolding, so I don't think that there is anything that I would change in Aww. how it's unfolding. I'm
0: being <laughs> No, I know you are. I know you are i was too sort of mostly
4: alex um i know (laughs) i don't even know if people want me to say consecrating the temple or whatever (laughs) i i wouldn't i still to this day would do what i did um but i think even i think even before uh that i i think sylphson the the getting into that now that we've talked about (laughs) it a little bit more, Uh I I do think that we could have done that a a, a little bit uh, less messy. You know, there was just a little, I I think we, whether it was like not having Bria with us or whether, not not that that's blaming in any way, shape or form. I I think even just like the dynamic of the group changed a little bit. And we all, it was, it was three of us and we were kind of, you know, feeling that out a little bit, we were kind of just like, okay, that sounds good. Yeah, we'll allow that to happen. Like, you know, it was it was kind of just like, okay, the first idea that we come up with, that sounds good. You know, I, I think if we had just kind of sat down and been like, okay, what exactly do we want here? Because Bria's is so good at that, you know. Um, right. But yeah. Uh, so, at bossing yeah.
2: everyone around.
4: <laughs> <laughs> or saying, um, I mean, maybe look. that's not what we should do.
0: <laughs> or. No. Or, <laughs> no. And. Um, what would yeah, that you would to? have been, that would have been a thing. Uh, I
5: don't, I don't know.
0: I wish you all, I wish you all could have seen what I was seeing as you all got arrested by the Silfson City Guard. I was Googling jail dungeon maps and like throwing notes on my PDF reader and like, oh God. I don't, I don't know that. I, you know what decision I would fucking change? Putting the fucking well in this <laughs> That's the decision I would change. <laughs> God damn it.
4: Can I change my answer? I would consecrate the well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Good. Uh, I hesitate to ask, but Robert, is there anything that you wish would have gone differently or that you would be interested to see how things would have played out if they had gone differently?
5: I would be interested if the first time the party followed Chuckles through that wall into the enclave area, how that would have changed things. Because that would have I mean, we would not have been necessarily prepared, but <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> that would have nope. been so early on in the story and just thinking about how that would change what our current story would be like today. Yeah, I I don't know. That is one like alternate
0: dimension possibility that I honestly, I have no idea what the campaign would look like if if you all had found the Enclave in season one or whenever, season two, I think it was. Yeah. Oh, that's a Or good one. if
2: Drinks became the leader.
0: Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, sure.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, those trials were
3: fun. <laughs> they were fun.
0: So there's another question for me from, uh, from Verpio. Uh, and Verpio asks, when you started recording for season one, did you already know that the current island, presumably the-, the southern island, season seven island, would contain a creature from another plane that was trying to awaken the monster? In general, what are some things that you knew from the beginning versus something that you decided much later? When I recorded season one... I knew that there were five islands. uh, And I knew pretty much everything that was on the Western Island. And that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That is it. I... I will be completely honest in this moment, which is something I'm working on doing more of during this podcast because we're approaching Endgame and I have to stop keeping secrets from you all. I didn't even know what the beast was until season like four, I think. (laughs) Wow. I mean, I thought I did. And then I was like, oh, that's boring, but I don't know what it should be. So it wasn't until, I think, season four that we actually, Robert and I actually decided on sort of what this thing was going to be. Um, so no, I did not know that that the all-glorp existed on the southern island and was activating the node. I didn't know any of that when we started.
4: but I, Very little when we started. I, I think that speaks to your sort of, um, almost like you're wanting everybody to be a part of this. Like you were very clear at the start of this that you wanted us as players and Robert as a consultant to sort of help you write and build all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's perfectly appropriate. And I think everyone, I I think listeners will enjoy hearing that, to be honest.
0: Yeah. I mean, the game would have been so different if I had tried to plan more, but knowing,
4: (laughs) knowing the four of you, I knew there wasn't any point. (laughs) Um,
3: (laughs) You're welcome.
0: Yeah, Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, the truth is, you know, that really is all I knew. Five islands, the center one probably being the final one. I, I sort of initially conceived of them very much like um, video game RPG, like a starter island with low level creatures. And then you move to another island with slightly more difficult foes. Didn't really unfold that way, but yeah, there you go.
2: <laughs> Great. So the northern island is super easy then.
0: Well, not anymore. Oh, there's dragons mm-hmm. over there. Yeah, of course. <laughs> this is dragon hell. Now.
3: <laughs> I feel like this also like just speaks to you... Your ability not only to tell the story, but to help th- the collaborators that is us help you build the story up more. You know what I mean? Like, sure. You know, you yeah. have a really good framework and then. All of us working together help to put everything, give you ideas, and, and then you just... You well, do, exactly you, that. You run with it in such a way that's glorious. It's absolutely wonderful.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, th- that's the thing, though, is, you know, if I had written all four islands, they wouldn't have been interesting for you all. Because the other three islands are written because of what you all focused on, what you found interesting, what you did. I mean, obviously there are things that are the way they are because I decided that's the way they are. But so much of what Robert and I have done is (laughs) taking your surprising decisions Understood, you know, sort of tried to understand why you made them, and then extrapolating content right. from there. But, so yeah. it's been it's been a journey. I mean, you
3: can have a framework, but if you have it, if it's too rigid, because you have the four of us with such different personalities and such different mind frames of like, this is what we should do. This is like this would be funny. This would whatever. Like, you can't have something so rigid that. We can't flourish in that. So mm-hmm. you did a good job of yeah. Opening well, thank that up you.
0: Well, and you all did a good job of giving me lots <laughs> to play with. So. You're welcome. We're all real good. You stars. know what? You're <laughs> welcome. <anyway>.
4: Uh,
0: <laughs> Um. Okay. So here's a question. Another question from Harmony Bat. So Harmony Bat asks: I know that D and D and wizards have <laughs> have been outed. It's a way to put it, but yeah, as not treating creators of color very well in the past few years. As an affirming podcast that is also obviously playing D and D, how has this affected you? And have you been thinking on it? Um. As as someone who works very closely with a lot of the people at Wizards. I I have thoughts on this, but I would love for you all to start if any of you have thoughts about about this. And I'll just say for listeners who may not... uh be quite so tapped into tabletop role playing game twitter um there have been the last in, in the last few years as wizards of the coast the producers and publishers of D&D have moved to uh you know make their game a more diverse equal less racist because we can all agree that D&D you know the the tropes and the foundation of D&D comes from a lot of racist shit uh, just It, it does. Uh, and so as Wizards has been trying to grapple with that, they have not always done the best of jobs. They have hired designers and writers of color that have then left uh, Wizards employee feeling very slighted, feeling very marginalized, feeling very pushed aside. So that's sort of, uh, I believe, what Harmony Bat is referring to. Do any of you all have questions about us continuing to play? There was a period of time where there were a lot of people calling for a D&D boycott, and d boycott, and we decided to continue playing This system. Do you all have any thoughts or feelings or things you want to say about that?
1: Well, I think I remember when we had, when this was initially coming to the forefront and we had a conversation about whether or not we wanted to continue using this system or what we wanted to do. And I think we ultimately decided to move forward with this for a lot of reasons, but one of which was being we're. We're trying to tell a story, I think, that kind of takes those underlying tropes of D&D and kind of breaks them and we're trying to create a world that is very inclusive and that you know ultimately at the end of the day we've said it again and again like our our desire for our characters is to create a world where everyone can live as they want to live and like be free of expectation um and that has become our mission is uh characters so i do think that there's something valuable about using a system that has come under um has come under fire and saying you know acknowledging the background acknowledging the history but demonstrating that it doesn't always have to be that way that there's a way you can take the system and uphold um you know uphold the morals that we want to see in tabletop gaming um so i think that's been a a big part of our push to continue this um with the system
3: i i thought about this a lot and it was i could go on a like a hour-long tangent but it it kind of makes me think about like all the the disney stuff where they're putting the notifications of like hey there is some racist stuff there's some there's some terrible things and i think it's important to know that like there is a history of these things but if we can do better then that's that's an important thing going forward. You know, I think that that's important. I
0: will, I will toss in because I think it's relevant based on what you just said, that, that actually that very thing was a conversation Mm -hmm. uh, about old titles and whether or not they should still be published, whether or not they should still be available. Um, And it was a, it was a, Good discussion that was had on tabletop Twitter, uh, and and for me actually personally, I think that knowing the history is valuable, and in fact continuing to publish those harmful old things is is not mm-hmm. valuable. I actually think that that Wizards of the Coast continuing to make money off of products like the um 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 what is the the horrible it, you know what I'm not even going to say the name of it, but some of the uh, like East Asian inspired settings, those are still available for purchase on Drive Through RPG, and Wizards still makes money off of them, and that to me is not okay knowing and acknowledging that it's that it exists and that we're trying to move away from it is great um but refusing to take it down because it's a piece of history and also we're still gonna make money off of it that's for me not not a great solution um but uh more specifically this question robert or taryn do you have anything that you want to add before i go on mine
2: mine is more just i think that this was one of the times that this crew uh uh, we 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 talk about all of these things and i think that the conversation was really important for all of us mm-hmm. and that we had the conversation um and it, this is something that it's it's just one of the many things that i i hope that the listeners know and i think that they probably do just by how we've created our game that um we take all of this stuff so seriously and um it's it's part of our story and it's part of what we're creating and it's we we have lots of inside conversations about about this type of stuff. And I just think that that's really important that we all do that yeah. together.
5: Yeah. 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 Right. I, uh, on top of everything that's already been said, I mean, some behind the scenes stuff in terms of what you and I talk about uh, like yeah, very please. intentional design choices for, for example, making the orcs like a matriarchy, uh, including individuals like mocks, including uh, individuals who are trans or non binary, having the Enclave Society avoid like any sort of. Um, Top-down government system, but where everyone is sort of has an input together. Like things that people often say are unrealistic or impossible, or are not rooted in the tradition of D D lore. But being very intentional about what we wanted to tell and our stories, even more like meta stuff. Like the first season, because of the focus on consecration, was a little bit. It felt almost focused on Alex and the Flick as like a uh, as a character and as being the only. Male-identifying player on the show, like how that might make everyone else feel. Like we, we we're very conscious about those conversations, feelings, and are trying to make sure our story avoids any historically rooted problems in in the D anD d that we're sharing.
2: I was pretty sure that season one was about
0: Brian. but that's just.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have to start by saying. A huge thank you to to you, Robert, because you have pushed me to, to consider these things and to work even harder to combat them um, in a lot of... A, a, and, and I will admit, I'm not proud of it, but I will admit that there were times where I sort of thought, that affects so many things and I don't actually know that it's that important that we this and this. And, and over these last seven seasons, I've learned that, no, it is always important. And you, you have always pushed me to do that. And I'm so grateful for that. I think this show would would have been very, very different and and um, I don't think we would have done the good work that we have done had you not, had you not pushed me for that. So thank you. Um, right, so Wizards. Uh, the way they treat their designers of color and queer designers and things like that. Um, I will start this answer by saying a small disclaimer, which is I am both an employee of Wizards of the Coast because I'm a member of Rivals of Waterdeep and we are paid for our time on stream. Um, and I also am pretty friendly with a lot of the design staff at Wizards. Um, So I think I can still be fairly objective, but it feels important that you all know that as I say, as I give you this answer. Um, D&D is a beloved hobby for millions of people around the world. It is collaborative storytelling in some ways at its best It is a great way to explore things, to explore things about yourself, about the world around you, and tell stories together while you do it. Now to the specific... Harmony Bat's more specific question, which is about the way that designers of color that are hired as freelancers for Wizards are treated. There's been a lot of problematic treatment. Um, You know, we look back and we think about Orion uh, Black, who you may be familiar with. They, in particular, are one of the most vocal about the way that they were treated when they worked at, at WOTC, at Wizards of the Coast. And... There is, there is no defense. There's no excuse. That's all super problematic. The reason that we continue to play D&D despite that, the reason that we continue to use products that Wizards of the Coast provide, or um, produces and creates and sells, is that I have, as I see those problems, I have seen the people on the ground in the Wizards offices working really hard to fix them. And they don't always do it right, because it's a lot of white people. And, and that's something that corporate is sort of working on, but. Um, They make mistakes and they make a lot of them and they don't always fix the problems that are are shown to them in appropriate ways immediately. But I see them working on it. And I know that there are good people on that team and I know that they are doing their best to make those changes. I will also say part of our decision to continue playing D&D was the knowledge that we don't actually give any money directly to Wizards. Um, D&D Beyond has been has been wonderfully generous and given us insider access to their content. So we have access to everything that Wizards publishes for 5e uh, for free. Um, to the argument, yes, but your show is promoting D&D, which ultimately, you know, sort of indirectly advertises and gives money. Well, sh- sure. But again, let's remember Wizards, Hasbro, Amazon, we could have... 10 times as many listeners as we do. And Wizards would not notice uh, if we stopped playing D&D, right? And the final point that I will make is one that actually the brilliant designer uh, who has worked for Wizards of the Coast uh, and friend of mine, Celeste Conowich, said to me, because I asked her about it. You know, she has her podcast that is a D&D podcast that just had their series finale last week as we're recording this. Um, and what she said to me was, I've been playing this game for decades, and she has much longer than I have. I've been playing this game for decades. I, as a woman, have been playing and enjoying D&D since I was a kid. And I'm not going to let shitty white dudes who treat other people poorly and write racist shit keep me from enjoying one of my favorite things in the world. And I think there is value in that. I think there is something to be said for, for boycotting and for being loud and for dropping things that are problematic. But I also think there is something to be said for taking control, for forcing change, and for not allowing shitty people to ruin things that can be good. That was a long and meandering answer uh, because I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. But at its core, we love D&D and we can use D&D for good. So we do. Okay, there's one more question, and I saved it for the end very specifically. Mm. So Shane wants to ask us, with endgame approaching quickly, what kind of conversations have been had about what comes after? Curse <laughs> and, and I will say there has been almost no discussion of what happens after because none of us want to accept it. So I would love to finish off this mailbag episode with that conversation. Uh, I want to be very clear. That we are not promising anything and nothing that <laughs> comes out of our mouths right now is is a guarantee or a promise. But I'm, I'm curious. I mean, uh, you know, and what comes after can mean a bunch of things. What comes after for us as people, the six of us as humans? Like, do we want to continue producing content? But also if you want to talk about what you hope for your characters... Uh, assuming that they you know make it through the end of the series I would love to know that too I would love to know like what if you know what your character's sort of long-term goals might be I'd love to hear that just what what is next for us and our characters any thoughts
2: I was told Sniv in the City was happening
4: (laughs) (laughs) it's already in pre-pro did you not know (laughs)
5: yeah did you not know apparently I
2: am not a producer on this so uh Uh,
0: no you're playing Sniv you're the star baby okay Uh, we'll call you we'll call you next
3: week (laughs) Work on your yeah, pirate right. accent. It'll <laughs> be great. Not nah. yeah.
0: Uh, here, I'll I'll narrow it in. I'll narrow it down a little bit. So so first of all, um, do you all feel like when this campaign arc ends? And I know there's a lot of questions. We don't know what it's going to look like when it's over. But do you all have the sense that when this campaign arc ends, we will have satisfying conclusions for your four characters or do you feel like they're characters that whether with me or with other people you're going to want to keep playing and explore further my
2: inclination has always has always been that it's going to be tied up I, I think that I will be very unsatisfied if I do not know what happens even if it's Robert, like a, a note. even yeah, a even if it's like a Bria sails off into the sunset like I, I think that I will be very unsatisfied if I don't know kind of what the next thing is that everyone does um, there's a big part of me that that doesn't see a world where the four of us stay together, which makes me super sad. Um, oh, interesting, but there, that's always kind of what I've thought. I know Alex's face. I just I think that there's I don't know there's I think that I don't know. That's I've just always kind of pictured someone's gonna die. Mm. And then everyone else is going to split apart. That's, I mean, that's going to be me. Honestly, I think you are the survivor because you're the one that's always dying. <laughs> so I think that you are the one that ends up surviving this yeah. whole thing and the rest of us are, are Audi man. That's mm-hmm. the thing.
3: It's like I feel like if Biz doesn't die, like, I, I don't know. I'm thinking like four little huts in a clearing kind of like retirement home kind of situation where we just play board games and like live our lives until we die. Um. <laughs> going on random adventures talking about old times showing battle scars all that good stuff but
0: but that feels like a sort of montage right thing not a thing that you as lydia feel the need to no, no 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 uh alex and Karn, what about you all what do you feel um, about-
4: i definitely agree that i never really saw like our four characters like being transported to another world to like do another adventure <laughs> like that i more. never really sure. saw that i i if anything like if the beast is uh defeated like we stay on i thought we would stay on the last refuge because this is like the land that we fought for and this mm-hmm. is where we live and you know all don't of that. you
2: think that maybe we uh, uh might might be bored <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm being totally Flick. genuine after everything that we've gone through it's a little like bilbo and it's a little like we've done all of this mm-hmm. stuff and the, the the retirement thing isn't enough
4: well Maybe. Flick... So Flick Flick, is going off on Flick, her I own, think, no. and the rest are then are
2: going to retire at <laughs> yeah, Flick's <exactly>. beetle spa.
4: <laughs> I think Flick has always strived for happiness. Like, he wasn't happy in his original home, so he left. And I think he just wants to be happy with people that he, that he cares for and uh, people that care for him. And I think that's you all, and people that he's interacted with in this adventure. So... While I do think that things tie up at the end, whether that's we all perish or we, you know, that some of us do, some of us don't, whatever that is, I do think that things tie up at the end. I don't think that there's any sort of like TB continued type sort of situation. Sure.
1: Yeah. I think similarly, I've definitely pictured that the whole show will end with everything tied up. Like I don't imagine that we will pick these characters back up outside of this adventure um and yeah I mean I don't know I guess it's cheesy but yeah I've always like been like we're gonna go back to the kobolds and like that's where we're all gonna like happily end up which like I don't know maybe
5: I'm cry- I'm crying.
1: <laughs> I mean like I can also see what Taryn was like outlining of like everyone like kind of has the next thing that they want to go off and doing so I I can see it going both ways, but I think in terms of, like, thinking about if we decide we want to, like, keep creating content, if we wanted to, like, stay in this world, I think I could definitely see us doing either, like, a, like, like, a prequel or a sequel. And, like, like, I could definitely see, like, the group of us going back and, like, going back to the times of the Arcanium and, like, uh, whatever. Or, like, do time our... Time <laughs> travel. It could be time travel. We've done travel. it before. I'm in. Um... But yeah, or like our descendants, or the kobolds' descendants, like having to protect against the next threat in the next like millennia,
4: the next generation, yeah. Degrassi. <laughs>
1: um, that's that's sort of what I think about when I think about this adventure coming to an end.
0: Sure,
5: sure. Robert, any thoughts? Uh, well, obviously I'm not a player, but one thing we, <laughs> well, sure about how we're. going But gonna you're the
4: one the I want to hear from what most. We want to do.
5: <laughs> so, so. I know, right? How we want it to end and what we think about what we I'm what not is sure after. if we've explicitly discussed it. Although one thing we have chatted about, um, and once again we're making no promises and, and anything we <laughs> say here may or may not happen, but potentially making a yeah. source book. Um, and having fleshed out I the last it. refuge, not just like what's happening now as the character as the players are moving forward the story, but what happened before, what Is available to happen after. I also think, in the back of my mind, I've always thought that the story of The Last Refuge, from the player's point of view and our character's point of view, is it's just these five islands. But for example, like what's under the water? Or is it just these five islands and that makes up the whole world? Or is there something more? Because whenever characters are in a story, they can't conceptualize anything beyond their current settings. But is there more to this world than we've explored, and it's a it's a godless world, so potentially we'll have visitors fighting over it for a long time mm-hmm. until maybe that's settled and there's a lot of areas to explore your characters if they defeat the beasts. how does that change society on the last refuge and and what does that do yeah? to them i mean i i
0: i have I have run through end game scenarios a bunch of times. And there are scenarios in which you all become legends and, and possibly, you know, if things go particularly well, like the new gods of this world. Like there's so many ways it could go.
5: I didn't mean to interrupt, but you just yeah, made me think Yeah, about I, I actually was go. heading there myself. So that's, that's definitely something we've explicitly discussed. Uh, and, yeah. and what the term god, for example, means. I know in D&D it has a specific connotation, but if the, in a world without gods, the heroes that save society and end the apocalypse, are they not godlike beings? And what does that mean? Statues.
3: Statues. Statues. We'll finally get our statues. <laughs>
0: That's it. That's it. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you you brought that up, uh, Robert. It is something that we have talked about on and off for years, and it it gives me butterflies in my tummy to think too much about it, but like, I don't know, it'd be kind of exciting to make a book out of this. Uh so I'm gonna take this brief moment to uh plug Uh, A friend's product, Uh, speaking of Celeste Conowich, The Venture Maidens is doing a world book for their campaign, Um, and I adore Celeste, and I think she's a brilliant designer, and I'm so happy they're doing that because that's awesome for them, and you should all kickstart it, but also because they can do it first, and then I can hire Celeste to be a consultant for (laughs) us. Uh Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, it's, uh, my biggest focus is, is still right now getting us to the end, uh, and getting that epilogue. I, I don't know what projects we will all work on afterwards. A source book would be amazing. How exciting would that be? Uh, you know, sequel, prequels, series, other podcasts, whatever. That's all stuff that, that, um excites me, but that I I haven't really thought too much about because I would get overwhelmed. But getting you all to the end of your story and having that be satisfying, because, you know, every episode longer the series is, uh, to me, the more sort of pressure there is to Mm -hmm. make it worth listening to 200 plus episodes, you know what I mean? So, um, so making sure that the epilogue happens that there is a story not not to say that there are no loose ends, but that the loose ends that continue to exist feel like, okay, that is a satisfying thing that makes the world dynamic and interesting without leaving us on a horrible ladder hanger at the end right. of the show, right? So so yeah, I mean it's it's about finding closure for the four of you, if not for the world whatever that ends up looking like and if closure's death okay if closure is a uh, neo godhood okay like uh, i don't know what that is but but that is a thing that is important to me as we as we go forward so so there you go uh Shane long-winded answer that basically sort of boiled down to an epilogue episode of the source <laughs> <book>. <laughs> Oh, this has been a blast. We have waited so long to do this because we weren't really sure that we were going to get many questions. And you all came through. You delivered. We got so many great questions. Thank you all. Real quick, I just want to go through and thank all the folks that submitted questions. So thank you, Shane, Adam, Dakota, uh, MTV, Verpio, Gus, Borf, Harmony Bat, Brandon, Jessica, Michael, Nat and D and D guru, thank you all for submitting your questions to us. They were wonderful, and we've had such a good time answering them. Is there anything else that you all wanna wanna ask as we as we say goodbye to season seven in our mailbag episode? I love you guys.
5: Yeah, I, I was gonna
4: say I I've really enjoyed. Um, Doing this with you all,
0: yeah, me too, me too. And look, season eight is not the final <laughs> season of this show. Don't worry, don't get it twisted. We're all sounding very emotional, but no, uh, we have we have a little while with you all left. But but I, but yeah, it's been it's been great to play D and D and make podcasts and all of you who listen and submit questions and are patrons and follow us on Twitter and even just download and listen and never interact with us in any other way. I didn't know what to expect when we started and I told everyone to hear this like maybe nobody's gonna listen and maybe this will be a season long but hey we'll have a record of a fun D&D game that we played and like that's okay but you all have come out in force and and it's been such a blast uh, to play this game with the six of you that I'm staring at and and for the however many of you who are listening it's been great it has been a labor of love and I've had a blast And we're not done done. yet. So, that is where we're going to leave it for this week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's very special mailbag Q&A episode of The Last Refuge. Be sure to listen to our next episode, which might be out next week or possibly the week after, I haven't decided yet, to find out where the party is going to go once they leave the Southern Island. You can reach out to all of us at the TLR team by leaving us a podcast review or by dropping us a line on Twitter and Instagram at at DNDLastRefuge. That's at D, the letter N, D, Last Refuge. And hey, speaking of reviews, we have a new one this week. I
4: hope they listen to this episode. What a special review. (laughs) Me too.
0: (laughs) So this review is from Hansel Lee, and Hansel Lee says, such an amazing story, five stars. I've been listening to this podcast for the last few months while I'm at work, and I'm proud to say I'm all caught up. The DM and the cast are such lovely people to listen to, and I get excited every time I see a new episode is available. Also, P.S. Sassy Kit is best fit. Aww thank you so much Hensley. we love that and I have to agree with you Sassy Kit is best kit. what can I say if you would like to know more about us as players access our Patreon see some awesome fan art and get links to other streams and podcasts where you can see us playing even more D&D you can go to our website www.dndlastrefuge.com as always hey I get to say this and he's here this time I would like to profusely thank Robert Up, my story consultant for this campaign and of course all of you for listening I am your friendly neighborhood dungeon master DM Jazzy also known as Eugenio and with me I have
1: Lydia, Karin, Taryn,
0: Alex, and Robert. (laughs) (laughs) Happy gaming y'all.
3: So, how would... Uh, excuse me. It's going well. <laughs> <laughs> First
4: question!
3: I'm choking on my glorp, which is really... um, Yeah. It's really on par for this episode. I uh, can't question. thank you
0: enough for going ahead and providing us with the blooper right away. You <laughs>